we're going to turn to the Bible now. Um, it's good to be able to be uh, with you online. Um, my name's John T. For those who I haven't met personally, but we're going to turn in the Bible to John chapter 10, and we're going to pick up. Uh, we were seeing last week that Jesus says, "I am the gate." He's using this imagery of a shepherd and gate and sheep. And last week we were focusing on the image of the gate. And this week we're going to pick up from verse 11. I'm going to read it, verses 11 to 21. And we're going to listen as Jesus teaches us. I wonder how you feel as we're about to hear God's word read. Do you have an expectancy? Are you ready that God might say something to you this afternoon that you really need to hear? Perhaps he has something for you. Are you ready to listen to him? Asking that the Spirit would help us like Emma was just praying, help us to engage, not to be distracted, but to engage, because I believe this afternoon God has something very precious that he wants you to know, and I'd hate for you to miss it. So let's engage our hearts and our minds as we read and then as we explore these verses. So John chapter 10 and verse 11, and Jesus is speaking, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So here we are, this is uh, Jesus, and he's going to teach us this one simple truth. Here's the one thing you need to remember. It's not difficult. Jesus said it twice, and it was fairly obvious. He said, I am the good shepherd. And we're just going to explore, we're going to dwell, we're going to meditate on that phrase. And there are two points. This is what we're going to do. My first point is that Jesus is the shepherd. And my second point is that Jesus is the good shepherd. So first, I know, I, know, I know it might sound like I've not worked very hard on that, but believe me, that's been a lot of, lot of intense study and, and thought. <laughs> but the first thing I want us to do is explore this image of shepherd. And it really is, a, a, the more you think about it, the more beautiful the image of shepherd becomes. In fact, as I've dwelt on it this week, I think I've come to a place where I'm happy to say it is hard to imagine a more perfect and beautiful description than a shepherd. 
You see, that is what Jesus claims to be. So let's just take a step back and let's, let's dwell on this idea of shepherd for a moment. In the Bible, this theme of shepherd is a big, big one. Uh, one of the most famous and popular verses and passages and psalms in the whole Bible is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you hear it? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here is the idea, right? Shepherd is an image that perfectly meets every single one of your needs. It's so perfect. You see, we are people who need a shepherd. And when we think we need something other than a shepherd, we end up in a mess. You see, many people come to Jesus and they sort of, they're not really looking for a shepherd, they're looking for a life coach. Someone who can help them to improve their life. Hey, Jesus, could you come and give me some advice? I'm looking for some tips on how to maximize. And you know the books that you read, you know how to perform at 110% while you've only had three hours sleep. Those books that just make you feel rubbish all the time. Those books that you read to increase your productivity when you should be actually doing something rather than reading books about doing something. You know those sorts of things. And we think, oh, perhaps Jesus is a little something who could help me with that. And we say, Jesus, be my life coach. But we don't really want him to be a shepherd. <laughs> no, no, that's too much. Or perhaps we want Jesus to be a friend. Jesus, could you come and be my friend? Could you come and be nice to me? Just come and be with me. And we want Jesus to be a friend. Or perhaps we want Jesus to be an entertainer. I'm a bit bored. Jesus, can you make my life more exciting? Could you entertain me? You get the idea. So it goes on. We look for something in Jesus, but Jesus says, no, I'm a shepherd. And you see, here is the richness of a shepherd. Just think of what a shepherd is. A shepherd is strong when you feel weak. And yet a, a shepherd is also gentle and tender when you feel fragile. A, she, a shepherd is wise when you feel foolish. A shepherd goes after you when you are lost. A shepherd gives you rest when you are tired. And a shepherd takes you to food when you are hungry. A shepherd is there when you are in the darkest and most difficult times. A shepherd is the one who is with you. Do you know, the more I've thought about it this week, I, I cannot think of a more beautiful description of what we most need. Because to be perfectly honest with you, I often find myself feeling weak. I feel like I don't have the strength. I need a strong shepherd. And I often feel myself being fra fragile, like I'm about to be crushed. I need a gentle shepherd to lift me up. 
This is what we need. And I am a foolish. I go my own way. I chase things that are not right. I walk down paths that are not right. And I need a shepherd who will lead me in the right paths, paths of righteousness. This is what I need. And even when I face the darkest valleys, even when I face death itself, I need a shepherd who will protect me. Do you not, do you not see how beautiful this is? Jesus will meet every single one of those needs. Jesus is the one who is the, exactly what we most need. And yet, when you think about Psalm 23, listen to it again. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. You see, David, who wrote Psalm 23, he's not thinking about the man Jesus. He doesn't know him yet. He's living hundreds of years before Jesus. He is thinking about God, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, Yahweh, the covenant God who has loved him and has chosen the people to be his own. And as David thinks about God, he says, God, you're my shepherd. You're everything I need. You're the one who is strong when I'm weak, wise when I'm foolish. You're the one who is gentle when I'm fragile. You're the one. You're the shepherd. And then Jesus comes and says, I am the shepherd. You can see what Jesus is claiming, right? The Lord the creator of heaven and earth, Yahweh, whom King David worshipped, Jesus comes and says, that's me. I'm that one, that precious shepherd. And so Jesus is the shepherd who is precisely what we need. Now I want to show you one other passage in the Old Testament and then we're going to dig around some more in John 10. Because it's important to realize that there is a problem that we, no one else can be this shepherd for us. If, if you come forward um, to Ezekiel chapter four, 34, if you've got a Bible, Ezekiel 34. And this is going to help us when we get back to John chapter 10. Because remember the context in John 10 is that Jesus has just watched the Pharisees in the temple throw out the blind man that he healed. So Jesus healed a blind man. The Pharisees, rather than go, wow, that's amazing. Instead, the Pharisees take this blind man, they heap insults on him, they call him a sinner, and they chuck him out. And Jesus sees that, and it reminds him of Ezekiel 34. Because the Pharisees should have been acting like shepherds to God's people. But they weren't. So let me read um, from Ezekiel 34. We'll read a chunk of this. It's not difficult to understand. You'll immediately see what the prophet Ezekiel is saying. We'll go from verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. That is, the, the leaders, um, as opposed to the actual shepherds in the fields, but the leaders of God's people. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed those who are ill, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. 
You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Do you hear the the agony in God's voice in what he's saying? You've not cared for my sheep, my precious sheep. In fact, you trampled all over them. You filled yourself and let them go hungry. You were supposed to be shepherds, but you've destroyed the flock. But God has a solution. So just um, flick down in Ezekiel 34 and see what God says he is going to do. Um. Verse 11, he says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And this is so cool. (laughs) This is so cool. God says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock where he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and make them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy I will shepherd the flock with justice. You just can't miss it. God says to his people, I will be your shepherd. I will come and will search and will look and will rescue and will gather and will bind up and will heal and will bring justice. I will do it. And then Jesus in the temple in Jerusalem stands up and says, I am the good shepherd. Do you feel the weight? The weight of what Jesus is saying. This is not Jesus simply saying, oh yeah, I'd like to be like a shepherd to you. This is Jesus saying what Ezekiel promised, what God said he would do, it's me. The Lord is my shepherd, David said. Jesus says, that's me. Jesus is the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Come in person to be the shepherd. Not a shepherd, but the shepherd that the people desperately need. It would be hard for Jesus to make a bigger claim than the one he's making in John chapter 10 when he says, I'm the good shepherd. So let's be in no doubt this afternoon that Jesus is making this claim. He's claiming to be the shepherd who you desperately, desperately need. So that's some of the the background. And I think when he saw the Pharisees acting as they acted in the temple, when he saw the blind man being thrown out, it evoked within him that Ezekiel 34 remembrance. He was like, This is why I had to come. This is the sort of shepherd Jesus is. 
So with, with all of that, he's the shepherd. But now I want to focus in on this idea that he is the good shepherd. Why did he say, I am the good shepherd? Because to be honest, it could have just been, I am the shepherd. And we'd have gone, oh, great. But he emphasizes good. I think that's partly in contrast to the Pharisees. I think that's a dig at them. I'm not like the bad shepherd. I am the good shepherd. But that word good, that is a word that we need to allow this afternoon to, to fill our imagination and ignite our delight and passion for Jesus. You see, good is a bit devalued in our world, right? We've got so many words now. Good actually is fairly average. You know, if, if you say, um, how was your day? Yeah, it was good. It's like, we've got so many words that come above good. Yeah, great, fab, awesome. Better than that. I, that was it. <laughs> so, so good is a bit devalued. We've got, we got to make sure we don't fall into that trap. Good in the Bible is a word of such sheer beauty. Good means all satisfying. God alone is good. It is a, a description that means perfect and beautiful and captivating. I am the good shepherd. And when Jesus says good, he really means good. And we're going to work through the rest of the verses now. And we're going to see why Jesus is the good shepherd. What does a good shepherd do? And there are three strands that point to the goodness of this shepherd. Three strands that I just want us to notice and to dwell on and to allow to become part of our worship of Jesus. And the first strand is that he dies for his sheep. What, is a good she- what does Jesus mean when he says, I'm a good shepherd? Well, he dies for his sheep. You can't have missed that as we've read the passage. He says it in verse 11, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He says it again at the end of verse 15. Uh, verse, yeah, verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. He then talks about it again in verse 17. The reason my father loves me is I lay down my life. I need to take it up again. I lay down my, again and again, I lay down my life. This is what a good shepherd does. That is different to the hired hand. So he explains in verses 12 and 13 that hired hands don't lay down their lives. They don't care about the sheep. When they see a wolf coming, they run. But not a good shepherd. And what we're seeing when Jesus talks about laying down his life, notice that Jesus, when he talks about his death, he is talking about a voluntary thing. He lays it down. In fact, he makes that explicitly clear. He says, no one takes it from me. I lay it down. It's my choice. And so Jesus is a good shepherd who chooses to lay down his life. When you picture Jesus hanging on a cross, you must always remember he chose to be there. It was his choice. He was laying down his own life. He's not some helpless victim that we're all supposed to feel sorry for. 
he chose to lay down his life. And he chose to lay down his life with a very great purpose. I lay down my life for the sheep. That is what his death was about. It was a purposeful death. It was a substitutionary death. In other words, he does something for the sheep. Now, if, if I say to you, um, I'm going to pay for your meal, yeah, that would be an unusual thing to happen, but supposing I said to you, I'm going to pay for your meal, what do I mean? What, what I mean is that you owe money for your meal, and I am going to pay it for you. You see, if I said, I'm going to pay for your meal, but you'd made packed lunch at home and didn't owe anyone any money, that would just be weird, right? That, you'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. You say, no, the very fact, I pay money because that's what you owe. So when Jesus says, I'm going to lay down my life for my sheep, what he means is the sheep are facing death and Jesus will stand in the place of the sheep and take that death for them. Uh, okay, let me put it another way. Um, imagine that there's a wolf coming from over there, and the sheep are over here. Right, where does a shepherd stand? Okay, this, this isn't a trick question, this isn't difficult, right? A shepherd stands here, in between the wolf and the sheep. It's fairly basic. The shepherd doesn't stand behind the sheep, going, hey, take one of the little ones, take this one and go away, right? That's not what the shepherd does, that's what the hired hand does. Because the hired hand cares nothing for the sheep. The hired hand is like, just how many do you want? Take a few and then leave us alone. But see, the shepherd is the one who stands, who places himself between the danger and the sheep, who stretches out his arms and he says, no, you do not touch my sheep. And even if the wolf would consume the shepherd, the shepherd will die in order to protect his sheep. That is a very powerful image of why Jesus is the good shepherd. You see, this is how it works. Jesus knows that we as sheep are in very great danger. Jesus knows that as sheep we face death itself. He said this in a number of other places in John. You see it all over the Bible. Because we're sheep, we're foolish, we go our own way, we're stubborn. We go off and we go down paths that we shouldn't go down. And, and we get ourselves in massive danger. And in particular, if you, if you imagine that the, the wolf that is coming for us is death itself. The punishment for sin, death itself is coming for us. And what Jesus does as the good shepherd is he places himself, he stands between death and his sheep and he stretches out his arms and he's nailed to a cross and he dies and death consumes him and his sheep are safe. I'm the good shepherd, Jesus says. I lay down my life for my sheep. He does it voluntarily. He does it purposefully to save the sheep. He also does it victoriously. Have a look at what he says later, later on. 
um, verse 17, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. <laughs> Isn't that cool? You know, Jesus talks about his life like I treat a jumper. You know, I lay down my jumper on the floor. I know it would be better to put it in the wardrobe. Not great at that. I lay down my jumper on the floor only to take it up again. Why put it away when I'm going to need it again tomorrow? So I lay it down on the floor. Next morning, I take it up again. Jesus says, here am I. I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. Then I take it up again. You see, Jesus, as the one who is the eternal son of God, Yes, he's the shepherd who dies for his sheep, but death doesn't win. Because as Jesus does battle with death itself, death is defeated and the shepherd rises to life. It's a victorious death. Jesus knows he will win. Which is why he's such a great shepherd. Because a shepherd who dies once and then is dead, it's nice to remember him, but he's not much use after that. That's it. His job is done. It's like, huh, we're going to need a new shepherd. And so Jesus, if he'd stayed dead, would be a hero, but not a shepherd. Jesus rose again to be our shepherd. You see, when Jesus gave his life on the cross, he did it voluntarily. He did it purposefully to save you. And he did it victoriously because he knew he would rise again. It was always the plan. It was the very plan of God, his Father, who sent him into the world. This command I received from my Father. This is what I've come to do, Jesus says. It's why when Jesus dies on the cross, as he breathes his final breath, he says, it's finished. What's finished, Jesus? Saving my sheep is finished. The work that I came to do. Yeah, Jesus is the good shepherd because he dies for his sheep. I wonder how precious that is to you today. You know, Jesus has placed himself between you and death death itself. Jesus stands between you. Jesus is your shepherd who protects you from all harm. Jesus is your shepherd who spreads out his arms so that you might be safe. He's a good shepherd. He's not like a hired hand who just legs it. He's not like a hired hand who just wants to get rich. He's not like the shepherds of Ezekiel 34 who just want to get famous or just want to have a comfortable life or just want the best for themselves. Who don't care about the poor and the weak. They're irritating anyway. Jesus cares. And that brings me to the Second reason why Jesus is a good shepherd, if you're following this rather loose structure that we have this week. The second reason Jesus is a good shepherd is because he knows his sheep. Not only does he die for his sheep, he knows them. Verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. You see, Jesus isn't some kind of cosmic superhero who flies around saving people but never really knows their name. He knows us individually. I know my sheep. You know, sometimes you watch um, TV evangelists or you know Christians who have these big rallies, and they kind of wave their arms around and they go, "Oh, be healed!" And all these people kind of do whatever, and it's a very odd thing. Do you know that is never the way Jesus treats us? Because Jesus knows us by name. 
Jesus heals people individually. Jesus saves people individually. He knows them by name. He cares for us by name. I wonder how you feel about being known. It was helpful, wasn't it, when Johnny, at the start of our service, took us to Psalm 139. We're known. You're fully known. And at first sight, that does seem a little bit frightening. It seems frightening because if he knows me, he knows all my sin. He knows all of my failure. He knows what I did this week. He knows what you did this week. He knows the thoughts that have gone in our heads. He knows the things that we meant to do but we didn't do. He knows the time that we wasted. He knows the impure thoughts that we... He knows it. He knows you. And you might go, well, this is, this is bad news. No, 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 because he's the good shepherd. Remember the first point, he dies for his sheep. That's the whole point. That's why Jesus had to die, because he knows you. And once you understand that he's a shepherd who knows you fully, suddenly you find this incredible freedom of not having to pretend anymore. You don't have to pretend to be something you're not. You don't have to hide. You don't have to cover up. You just can be known. And to be fully known, to be fully loved, is actually the highest of all human experiences. In fact, Jesus says it's so high, and this is just to blow our minds, because this is John's gospel. And uh, John's gospel, just when you think you're sailing along nicely, suddenly something is thrown in, some massive theology, some Trinity stuff comes back in, and Jesus says... I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Oh, that's nice, we say. And then he says, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Well, hang on. Here we are are again. We're back on this big theme of John's gospel. Jesus, the Son of God, God the Father, God the Son, who have eternally been one who have eternally known one another. This takes us right back to the very start of John's gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And you've got this Father and Son, the God and the Word, and they, they're with one another, and they know one another in perfect unity. They love one another. They're united. in Mind-stretching stuff that we would ever even begin to ex- understand the intimacy of the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. And then Jesus goes, oh, that's how I know you. And that's how you know me. We're talking about a depth and a quality of knowledge that is divine. That is way beyond just, oh yeah, I know. I, I know Mark quite well. Yeah, he's, he's a mate. Or I know know a few of their secrets. I know them quite well. We're talking about an absolute openness where there is nothing spoiling it. Just as the Father knows the Son, so Jesus, the shepherd, knows you. He knows you. And there is freedom to be found there. So he's the shepherd who dies for us. He's the shepherd who knows us. And the third reason that Jesus is the good shepherd is because he's the shepherd who has far more sheep to gather. (laughs) Have a look at verse 16. 
where suddenly he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. You see, Jesus, as, as he talks, particularly at this point, to the Jewish nation, and he thinks back to Ezekiel 34, and that was to Israel, and he's like, I, I've, I've come, and I'm the shepherd, I'm going to save, I'm going to die for my people, I'm going to bring my people out. Then he suddenly goes, oh, but you're not enough. I've got more sheep. I've got more sheep that I need to go and gather. And, and the, the sheer scope of the work of Jesus, this shepherd, that he will call people from all over the world to be his sheep. They will listen to my voice. There shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus isn't interested in setting up a little clique. He doesn't want a little club who say, would you be my sheep? Okay, we'll be your sheep. Let's be the Jesus sheep club. Jesus has a far bigger vision. Jesus has a worldwide vision. Jesus has an international vision that there would be sheep from every nation, tribe, and tongue gathered, one shepherd, one flock. And here you just get this little flavor in John's gospel of the the breadth and the majesty of this shepherd who gathers in his sheep. And so it might be that you're sitting here saying, well, this is all very nice, but I, I don't know if Jesus would ever be interested in me. I'm not a religious type. I'm not that great. I've done some really bad stuff. Jesus says, no, I'm the shepherd. And I want you. I've come to call you by name. I want to be your shepherd. I want you to come be part of my one flock that I am building. He's the good shepherd, the good shepherd who has enough shepherding power to shepherd all who will come to him. I don't know roughly the statistics of how many sheep one shepherd can manage on their own. I used to watch um, One Man and His Dog on BBC on a Sunday evening when I was very young. And it was a classic program with a farmer, and he had a sheep dog, and it was a competition. (laughs) Honestly, some of the things we watched... It was back in the day with before Xboxes and things. And, uh, you know, you'd send your dog out and you'd collect. They'd have the sheep and they'd got to get them to go through this gate and then through here. And the best bit was all when the sheep just scattered and ran away and they lost control. But they never seemed to me to be very many. There was only ever like six or eight sheep. I was like, come on, you only got eight? You'd imagine you could do more than that. Well, Jesus is the shepherd who has the shepherding power to shepherd billions of people. <laughs> Isn't this cool? His voice is powerful enough to gather sheep from all over. Can you imagine the size of this flock? A vast multitude that no one can count. All gathered by this one shepherd. Yeah, he's a good shepherd. And so here is Jesus making this extraordinary claim. I am the shepherd. The shepherd that the Old Testament spoke of. The shepherd who is God himself. The shepherd who is the one that you need. And I'm the good shepherd. I die for my sheep. I know my sheep. And I've got a lot of sheep to gather. This is who Jesus says he is. So let's come to Jesus this week as our shepherd. Not as a mate. 
not as an entertainer, not as a life coach, not as a genie in a bottle that you rub and go, oh, Jesus, I need some help today. No, a shepherd is the constant need of the sheep. The sheep always need the shepherd. And we need Jesus this week. Jesus to be the one who died for us. Jesus to be the one who knows us. Jesus to be the one who is gathering us to himself. So what will it look like for you this week for Jesus to be your shepherd? Well, let me give one specific application. We're about to have a week of prayer. One of the ways that we enjoy Jesus as our shepherd is that we pray. We speak to him. We're his sheep. He knows us. We know him. We listen to his voice and we speak to him and we ask him and we say, Jesus, would you help us? Would you be our shepherd? You know, I am, when I'm humbled and I'm horrified by the number of times I've rushed through life thinking that I know what I'm doing. I've made decisions, even pretty big decisions. And I haven't stopped to ask my shepherd That's what we need to do. This isn't a week of prayer in which we tell Jesus all the things that we want him to do for us. This is a week of prayer when we say, Jesus, we need you. We're weak, we need your strength. We're foolish, we need your wisdom. We're fragile, we need your gentle, tender care of us. We tend to go wrong. We need you to lead us in paths of righteousness. And so I want to encourage you, perhaps even to get John 10 open, perhaps even tonight. Before you go to bed tonight, read through John 10 and say, Jesus, would you be my shepherd? Tell him the things that you're struggling with. Tell him where you feel weak. Tell him where you feel fragile. Tell him where you feel foolish. And ask that he would lead you. He died for you. He, He so loves you. He died for you. He knows you. He's on your side. He's for you. He will walk with you even through the darkest valley. Let's be those who ask him. So this week, I I really want to encourage you. Get along to some of these prayer meetings. If you can't get to 8 o'clock prayer meeting morning or evening, um, then try and meet up with someone and pray with them or, or set aside. Perhaps miss lunch one day so that you can spend some time praying. Take some time to say, Jesus, would you be my shepherd? This is what we need. And this is who Jesus is. So why don't we bow our heads and let's pray that we would know this. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are the one who knows your son and you sent your son to be the good shepherd that we desperately need. Father, we're so sorry when we look around us, we see around us a world where there is so much power and abuse and so many who would seek to abuse power for themselves. Thank you that in Jesus we have a shepherd who never, ever abuses his power, who never takes advantage of others for his own gain. Thank you that in Jesus we don't have one who was after riches and fame, but instead we have a good shepherd who laid down his life for us. Lord, we ask this week that We would allow Jesus to be our shepherd. We would delight to have Jesus as our shepherd. And we ask it in his name. Amen.